The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Let every ear be anointed to hear and every heart receptive to receive all that you have here for us today. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. The title of my message this morning is called The Fight for Freedom and Liberty, which really should be our continued fight. For every generation has to make a stand and has to fight. I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. And before I read, I want to just read this poem that I wrote years ago. It's called America. From the harbor brightly shining, the lady, her beacon beams to all those tired and weary come to freedom's dream. And now that freedom threatened revival, her only hope, America, your time has come to fulfill your heavenly goal. From the grandeur of Alaska to the blue of the Florida Keys to the aloha of the islands, from Maine it's plain to see. Fifty nations, it seems, to fill your shores as weary, tra weary travelers come to seek the joy that freedom brings and the bask beneath your sun. The crime our heart desires as one born out of due time, the burning cry of revival from one of your newest sons. America, America, may your eagle soar again, high above the clouds of darkness, back into his glory once again. And that is from the 90s. So the fight for freedom, which many would look at and say, pastor, it's a political fight, it's really not. The fight is a spiritual battle. And that's why it's very important that we realize the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or common to man, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. We are up against imaginations and strongholds of the mind that have gripped humanity. And you can see that as you watch what's taking place in the world. People that have the most ridiculous beliefs who can believe that they... Uh, and I don't want to get into all of it. I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's so laughable. Grown men who feel like they're a six-year-old little girl. And then the people that go along with that, yes, he is. No, he's not. I think we're living in probably one of the most craziest hours, and it's not just in the world, it's in the church. I've never seen so many lunatics hanging around, not the river, I'm talking about the church and the body of Christ, in denominations that were once strong, where people stuck with the gospel, 
and they're all off. They're attacking everybody else, but now they're so far out in left field, doing away with everything that is important to the gospel, which is the preaching of the word, the harvest of souls, and then for us as Pentecostals to cast out devils. If ever you need the power, you need it today to cast out devils, if ever. So Matthew's gospel, 24 and verse 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquake in diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows, which we see that taking place. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and will kill you. Which that might be the case for some of us, which you come to the resolve. If that's the case, then so be it. Go ahead. Because you know exactly where you're going. And you have nothing to be afraid of. Can you say amen? You will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Just say that after me. Say, I will be hated for his name's sake. So in other words, you could actually ask yourself the question, if I'm not hated, am I really serving the Lord? Are you with me? So you almost get like a hate thermometer to see how many people hate you just to know if you're following Jesus. Somebody said, thank you, Pastor. I didn't need to hear that today. Many will be offended. I've never seen a time of people being more offended over anything. Somebody said, I'm, I'm coming to the river today. I'm going to get offended. I'm going to get offended by 10 o'clock in the morning. There'll be something I'm going to get offended about. You'll see. You'll see I'm a prophet. I'm going to be offended. And will betray one another and will hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and deceive many. And because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That means people that were once on fire, people that were once fervent for Jesus, they're just kind of like, eh. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations. That's where I believe we are right now. And then the end shall come. We look back in America's short history, which compared to other nations is really short when you think about it. Their nations have been going for you know, 1,000, 2,000 years, civilization, different groups of people that have always existed. But America is something that's, that's new. And then you think about how America actually gained its independence from the tyranny of the British king, which actually, in fact, independence actually took place on the 2nd of July, not the 4th of July. It's a whole teaching that Chris Ann 
has put together. If you want to learn out why it should actually be the second and not the fourth, maybe I'll get you to say a couple of things along those lines tomorrow at our special celebration. But everybody talks about the founding fathers, but they have no clue the, the price. The, the founding fathers were not homeless tramps. They were not poor indigenous people. They were not, these people had means and they laid everything on the line for America to be here today. And I understand that as a nation that we've had many flaws and many problems, but we still are a nation. And in my estimation, as I've traveled to 85 countries of the world, this is still the greatest country on the face of the earth. It doesn't matter how corrupt the government's got or whatever, the nation of America and the constitution that we were supplied with that came at a price Furnish this land to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. I want to play this clip for you right now just so you could see what the founding fathers actually went through so you could actually sit here today and actually be free. Let's roll this. And here is the documented fate of that gallant 56. Carter Braxton of Virginia, wealthy planter, trader, saw his ships swept from the seas. To pay his debts, he lost his home and all of his properties and died in rags. Thomas Lynch Jr., who signed that pledge, was a third generation rice grower, aristocrat, large plantation owner. After he signed, his health failed. His wife and he set out for France to regain his failing health. Their ship never got to France, was never heard from again. Thomas McKean of Delaware was so harassed by the enemy that he was forced to move his family five times in five months. He served in Congress without pay, his family in poverty and in hiding. Vandals looted the properties of Ellery and Clymer and Hall and Gwinnett and Walton and Hayward and Rutledge and Middleton. Thomas Nelson, Jr. of Virginia, raised $2 million on his own signature to provision our allies, the French fleet. After the war, he personally paid back the loans, wiped out his entire estate, and he was never reimbursed by his government. In the final battle for Yorktown, he, Nelson, urged General Washington to fire on his, Nelson's own home, which was occupied by Cornwallis. It was destroyed. Thomas Nelson, Jr. had pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. The Hessians seized the home of Francis Hopkinson of New Jersey. Francis Lewis had his home and everything destroyed, his wife imprisoned. She died within a few months. Richard Stockton, who signed that declaration, was captured, mistreated, his health broken to the extent that he died at 51. His estate was pillaged. Thomas Hayward, Jr. was captured when Charleston fell. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and grist mill were laid waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his properties gone. And he died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. Lewis Morris saw his land destroyed, his family scattered, 
Philip Livingston died within a few months from the hardships of the war. John Hancock, history remembers best due to a quirk of fate rather than anything he stood for, that great sweeping signature attesting to his vanity towers over the others, one of the wealthiest men in New England. And yet he stood outside Boston one terrible night of the war, and he said, burn Boston, though it makes John Hancock a beggar if the public good requires it. So he too lived up to the pledge. Of the 56, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston sacked, looted, occupied by the enemy or burned. Two lost their sons in the army. One had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its more merciful bullets. I don't know what impression you had had of the men who met that summer in Philadelphia. But I think it's important that we remember this about them. They were not poor men. They were not wild-eyed pirates. These were men of means. They were rich men, most of them, and had enjoyed much ease and luxury in their personal living. Not hungry men, certainly not terrorists, not irresponsible malcontents, not fanatical incendiaries. These men were prosperous men, wealthy landowners. They were substantially secure in their prosperity. They had everything to lose. But they considered liberty, and this is as much as I shall say of it. They had learned that liberty is so much more important than security that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they fulfilled their pledge. They paid the price. And freedom was born. That's why you being attacked on the internet is nothing. You being mocked by other people is nothing. Now, I know we're talking about America because this is our Fourth of July weekend. But for me, this goes beyond America. For me, this is about the body of Christ and the fight for freedom and liberty in the church. The fight for the full gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that the gospel is not just in word only, but in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. The moment you venture into that, you become a threat. 
to the religious structure. America as a nation is a threat to the globalist agenda. They cannot get what they want done as long as there is an America, as long as you have the First Amendment, which covers five different things. We'll deal with that tomorrow. And as long as you have a Second Amendment, they can't do what they want to do. They have to remove these things in order to perpetrate on the world what their globalist plan and agenda is. This is why they will fail at this juncture. They will fail. They will fail. They are failing on every front. But the plan was to neutralize the church, to make the church devoid of power. I talk to religious leaders, you know, people say, well, you know, tongues is not for today. I said, okay, so when was it, when was tongues for? Well, back for the early church. I said, why? Well, the Lord gave it to them. So what happens if you've got tongues today? No, it's the devil. So let me think this through rationally. So what started in the book of Acts as real and of God has now changed hands and the devil now owns tongues. Really? It's not even logical. The whole ministry of Jesus was going around healing the sick and casting out devils. But if you heal the sick and cast out devils today, then you're a false prophet and you're a charlatan and you just offer the people's money. So then, obviously, that must have been what they would be accusing Jesus of the very same thing today if he walked the earth today. Because let me tell you, just because 2,000 years have gone by does not change anything that Jesus has done. Doesn't change one thing. If Jesus showed up right here, he would continue to do everything he's always done. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out devils. He'd be laying hands on the sick. Amen. And there would be groups of people trying to threaten him. We're going to kill him. Let's throw him over a cliff. Let's sell him. <laughs> Judas Iscariot had a lot of kids before he left. So the attack is against the power of God. They cannot deal with a powerful church. They have no antidote for a church that has power for people that know who they are in Christ and a people that realize what was purchased and bought for them at Calvary, that know the power of the name, the power of the Word of God, the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost. They don't know what to do with that. So everybody has to be beaten into compliance. And they will even make up stuff about you as they did about Jesus. And what did Jesus say? A servant is not greater than his master. So what did they say? As the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the wooden seas and the couldn't seas were standing around and Jesus was performing these miracles, they stood to the side and said, 
He cast out devils by the devil. You hear the exact same thing today. Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the devil, then whom do you cast them out by? I'm so glad Jesus didn't even consider anything that they were saying. He just kept on going about doing the will of his Father. The job that we have is to daily go about doing the will of the Father. Can you say amen? People are going to make up stories. They're going to lie about you. They're going to take your name. And they're going to run it through the mud. They're going to do whatever they can. Amen. But I'll tell you right now, you'll never touch my blue suede shoes. Amen. Anyway. It's just a little joke. You can slander my name all over the place. You can do anything you want to do, but leave my blue suede shoes. Anyway, I just want to throw a little bit of Americana in there on this 4th of July weekend. And some people that were just staring at me suddenly smiled for the first time because I mentioned Elvis. The attack is against the Word of God and the purity of the Word of God in power. Power. Each person operating, doing what Jesus said do. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. That's the great commission. That doesn't change because we're in 2022. God hasn't come up with another new way. Okay, now that was for back then when the disciples, you know, they were just new at it. Now we are more intelligent and we've risen to the realm of the brainiacs and we, we have a more intelligent way of preaching the gospel. No, the gospel is to be proclaimed and must be preached by the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God and it has to come from a vessel where the fire of God is upon that individual's life and that fire burns by day and the fire burns by night and the fire does not go out. It does not matter what storms come and the winds of adversity blow and the rain comes, but the fire will not go out. That fire will burn on the inside of you. And as the prophet of old said, it's just like a fire shut up in my bones. And they tell you to be quiet. You say, I'm not going to be quiet. We will not be silent. We will not bow our knee. We will not compromise. We're coming directly against the Antichrist system that's being set up in the earth today. The church is the only restraining force against that. The governments of the world have no solution. The only hope is the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to announce to you today that the Holy Ghost is still the Holy Ghost. He has not left the earth. He is still moving like a mighty rushing wind. 
cloven tongues of fire and he will come upon every place where people are hungry and thirsty for God. God will visit another generation even in this service today. New people are being touched for the very first time by the hand of the Lord. People say, Pastor, I don't want to get emotional about it. When the fire comes on you, man, I got news for you. When the fire of God comes on you, you don't get to just sit there like this. Amen. Sit there with your religious asbestos suit on. There are ministers who would watch me earlier in the service today and would cringe at seeing a minister do what I did. Some said, well, shouldn't you have some kind of decorum? I didn't read anywhere where it said you're supposed to have a decorum. I read where the prophet outran a chariot of horses. Somebody said, what were you outrunning? I don't know, but I was outrunning something. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you could feel it right across this field. And some of you sit here and you think, oh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, nothing's really happening to me. Oh, I've got news for you. You, you don't even understand what's taking place. This is like a capsule. This is like a time-release capsule. And you might be sitting here just looking like you're just observing everything. But you wait until Tuesday. You wait until Thursday. You wait until you put in a situation where suddenly you have to place a demand and then suddenly the power of God kicks in and you think, oh my God, where did that come from? Say this after me, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only restraining force in the earth today. What does that mean, Pastor? As long as the church is functioning and the power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, then the enemy cannot do what he wants to do. He says, oh, no. They came, they put up a tent. They're not authorized to put up that tent. Who do they think they are? They probably called you a white supremacist. You know. Especially because you hooked up with me, you know what I mean? Good see. Stand here. Look how white he is. But the sinners were coming to get saved, but the religious leaders were upset because you came in and you didn't ask their permission. 
How dare you? How dare you? We are the gatekeepers. You have no authority to be here. We're going to take your tent from you. When I heard that, I sent some security down there. I said, you tell them, tell them to try. Amen. You know, you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble hanging around this place. Do you realize that? <laughs> you're going to get into trouble. I'm just warning you. You're going to get into trouble. So the fight for freedom and liberty for us, obviously you want godly people in government, but godly people only last as long as the fire burns on the inside of them. And if the fire wanes, then they convert it. They become lukewarm or they allow other people to come and influence them. I've watched this even with ministers where they've allowed other ministers to come and speak into their life. And I'm talking about churches that used to pray for the sick. Don't, well, we don't do that anymore. We used to do that. We, we used to speak in tongues, but we don't do that anymore. You know, we just, we're working on more of a kindly, gentler service. I mean, we want to make the devil feel welcome. We don't want to offend Bishop so-and-so. Did you know that we even got a call here to the ministry from other churches that said, would you please leave areas of Tampa that the River Church does not evangelize? I said, how do we do that? River people are everywhere. They're talking about Jesus all the time. What do we do? Do I go around, put signs up in neighborhoods and say to people, please, if you're a River Church member, do not evangelize this area. This area belongs to the First Church of the Frigidaire. Please don't go to this school. Please don't go to this university. Please don't go to this retirement home. What do I do? Do I tell river people to, to take a gag order? They have to get their mouth shut. Don't, don't talk about anything. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't, go, don't be obnoxious. Leave an area for us. I 
I was so encouraged this week. One of the young ladies that's on Camp Morgan this week is from Haiti. She's from Haiti, and she's from the inner city of Tampa. And I said, how did you find it about the church? She said, I come out of one of the HOJs from the inner city of Tampa. I was so happy. I said, you are an answer to prayer. Thank God for you. And she's the sweetest young lady. I'm telling you right now, from Haiti. I mean, and she's so happy. Listen, God is shaking Tampa. Tampa's being shaken one house at a time. The devil's not going to have this city as long as the church is here, as long as you and I are here. And we know what the Bible tells us to do. We have the authorization from the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Somebody said, who authorized you? Jesus. Somebody said, where's your papers? I have papers. Open your Bible to the book of Mark chapter 16. Those are my papers. And then tell them, you better get ready, because it goes on to say, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders following. You just tell them there's going to be a sign, and there's going to be a wonder that's going to be following. Hallelujah. I'm not backing down. I'm not watering anything down. Amen. No. We're knocking on every door. We're going to every house. We're coming to every school. We're going to every university. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not backing down. So one of the most beautiful things that I see here at the river is that this is not dependent upon one person or an organization of, say, Revival Ministries International or the River Tampa Bay Church, because this is dependent upon each and every person catching fire, catching, being set ablaze, and carrying that anointing. Are you with me? You don't have to be on television to do it. You don't have to have an international ministry to do it. You just have to have the Word of God, and you have to received the Great Commission and took it personally. And the fallout is going to be huge because you don't know who's going to hit you next. It could be a Walmart could be a drive-by soul winner. Amen. At Soul Mart. Hallelujah. Watch out for the lady with the black hat. I didn't say black cat. I said black hat. Somebody said, Pastor, what are you doing? Just taking my Sunday morning stroll. <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> Thomas. 
Thomas can go anywhere in the world. He doesn't even have to speak the language. He says, I love people. Amen. So here's what I want us to do for the month of July. I want us to turn up the heat. Say this off to me, more. Okay. Write this down. More souls. More souls. More souls than ever before. If we can get them saved, great. When the moment you move past them, then we're going to get them healed. Amen. So we're looking for souls to save, and we're looking for sick people to get healed. Amen. Like during the day, you're hunting for a sick person. Somebody said, well, I kind of feel sick. Then take your hand, place it on your head, and pray for yourself. And become your first testimony of the day. A sign, a wonder, a miracle. That's the next thing, looking for miracles. Again, it's not about your service. Where you're looking for your service for a miracle. You can have miracles throughout the day. Amen. Amen. Your whole life becomes one. Your whole life becomes an adventure, which I know for many that is the case. But remember, we've got millions watching by way of television. So I'm just trying to show them what the DNA of the river is all about. This is not about just attending church on Sunday morning. This is about the church being made manifest through you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday is about a celebration. So souls, more souls, more healings, more miracles, and then blessings. Not just blessings coming to you, but blessings coming through you. That in the month of July, you're going to see more people blessed because of your life. Everywhere you go, are you with me? And that God will even bring in provision so that he helps you to even bless the people that are in need. Like even if you didn't have it, there are many times when I see a need, I say, Lord, I'd really like to do that. And then God brings in what I need to help bless. Which means provision. And we've talked about this a lot in the taking of territory. This, this month of July is not going to be a month of going backwards. This is going to be a month of going forward of taking territory. I was horrified this morning. I woke up and somebody had posted on my Instagram feed with my cows. And they said, what would Jesus do? It's terrible that you would go killing these animals and making food, <laughs> food out of them, that you would kill these beautiful creatures. <laughs> she was vegan. <laughs> what do you do? What would Jesus do? Arise, Peter, kill and eat. Just for that, I'm going to eat steak today. 
How do you even respond to that idiocy? It's a religious demon, my wife said. You're right. It's a doctrine of demons. Let me tell you, because the Bible says in the last days that we'll tell people to abstain from meat. That is a doctrine of devils. We eat meat. We like meat. We eat meat. And I'm not saying anything. If you're vegan, yeah, fine. We'll put up with you. <laughs> we grow a lot of vegan stuff here. But some of you have actually eaten meat and you didn't know you ate it. You ate that fruit and you were so great. We were eating it in the dark as you're driving down the road in the car and you ate two worms. That was meat. <laughs> Besides that, how do you know what you're eating with some of these restaurants? Huh? Hmm? And the World Economic Forum wants us to eat bugs now. In Canada, they just started a huge, uh, I don't even want to call it a factory to produce crickets so people could eat crickets. You think I'm making this stuff up? I'm not making it up. We've got to save the planet and eat the bugs. So let me talk just for a few minutes about this taking territory. Because when you take territory, you hold the territory that you've taken. Are you with me? So we're not taking territory to give up anything. I said this two years ago when everything was upside down. I said, whatever freedom you give up now, you'll never give it, get back. You'll never get back. I try to warn people in different countries, whatever liberty or freedom that you have, that you forfeit now, you will never get it back. Because once government takes the power, they do not want to give it back. I'm happy to declare to you that the state of Florida is probably the freest place in the whole of the United States. Are you with me? Amen. And we intend to keep it that way. So all of this has to be done on the back 
of the power of God. That's why we are mobilizing people in all 67 counties. That's why evangelists are going to be moving. You're going to see more meetings happening in the state of Florida than any other place in America. Somebody said, yeah, but other places need it. I understand that. But right now, we want to secure Florida. We want to secure the 67 counties. We're going to hit every county from the Keys all the way to Pepsi-Cola. I mean Pensacola. We're going to hit everything in between, and we're going to see the gospel proclaimed. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. We're going to see the book of Acts in manifestation, and we're going to see a whole generation arise out of this slumber, out of this sleep, out of religion, out of tradition, out of the doctrines of devils. They're going to be set free, and they're going to march through the land. And from Florida will come people that will go out and will set America free. I'm telling you, the next three years, we will see this state shaken. We have crossed the population of New York. We have passed the population of New York. This is a humongous state right now. And if you touch Florida, you touch whole nations of the earth. And we will see Florida shaken by the mighty hand of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I see evangelists in every 67 county having meetings, tent meetings, neutral venues. I see new churches being raised up, churches being planted. And not under the control of man, but under the control of the Holy Ghost. I see it. That's what I was singing about early. Out of fresh wind. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's men and women sitting here this morning. God's going to use you in the most profound way, I'm telling you right now. You don't even realize it yet. You don't even understand it yet, but I'm telling you, I can already see it. I see what God's doing. I watch, I walk around this place. I'm looking at individuals and I, I'm, I'm seeing you a year, two years, three years from now. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like right at this moment. This is where you might be at this present time, but watch what God will do by the fire and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and cause you and mobilize you. You will take the territory. The territory will not be lost. The devil will have to wait another 40 years to come and do what he wants to do because of the fire that's on the inside of you because Jesus said, occupy till I come. So when the enemy wants to come, he says, I can't do it. Why? Oh, it's being occupied. I can't, I can't come in there. I'd like to tell you, I'm sorry we lost out. What do you mean? Uh, it's occupied territory. If you go in there, you're going to get slammed every which way to Sunday. There's a river people. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not the river, people. Before we pray, let me just say this to you. 
when I got arrested, I didn't know that I'd only be in prison for 40 minutes. When I got arrested in myself, I felt that my wife would, might never see me again. And in actual fact, in the months and number of years leading up to when this thing came to a crossroads, every time I would see the family, I would actually say goodbye to them as though it was the last time I would ever see them. When you talk about Jesus' ministry that kicked into gear from the time of his baptism, when the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased for three and a half years of earthly ministry, and then they crucified him. And when you go back in 2,000 years of church history and you look at people that operated the power of God and you looked at what came against them, it's not a place that a normal person would sign up and say, sign me up. Because just like the founding fathers paid a price for freedom and liberty, so I can take you through church history and show you men and women that paid their price. to where some of them lost everything that they had, but they never quit. So to me, this is not, oh, everything's just back to normal. To me, this is not just, oh, yeah, let's just forget about it. Everything's okay. And no, it's not. I know what's coming. I know what they planned. Are they going to get it right? No. You've heard me tell you they're not going to get it right. God is frustrating the plans of the wicked even at this moment. But it's for the time for the church to press in even stronger than you ever have pressed in before and to light that fire and keep that fire burning stronger than it's ever been before and make a decision before God. You will never, ever compromise or back down. And whatever territory you take, you are not giving up any territory that has been given to you by the hand of God in this hour. And it's one thing to preach like this. It's another thing to have to say goodbye to people. In yourself, you feel, I might never see them again. And you have to come to that resolve on the inside. That's why I get irritated with people talking about the next generation when really this is the generation right now. And yeah, we're helping the young people and the youth, but let me tell you, <laughs> when I'm not helping them so I can sit back, watch them do it. We're right in the fray. We're right in the fight. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. In actual fact, for some of you that have passed 50 and 60 and even 70 years of age, 
This is why God allowed you to go through everything that you've been going through. So that in your final moments, your final years, your final days on the earth, you will occupy and you will be the restraining force in the earth today. And when you see him face to face, you will hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And forever and ever you will reign with him, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody to just bow your heads, close your eyes across this field. I want to challenge everybody here this morning and you that are watching by way of television. If you've come under this pavilion this morning or you flip in through the channels and you tuned in. I want to give an invitation to you and ask you a simple question. What would happen if today was your last day on the earth? You went home, put your head on your pillow in the middle of the night, you breathed out your last breath. Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid and the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all the guilty stains. Today, the power of sin will be broken. The power of guilt and shame will be removed from your life. You might have come here one way, but you'll leave another way. He calls you. Jesus is calling you now. You might never have another opportunity. Would you say, yes, Lord, I come to you. Maybe you've come under this pavilion today and you gave your life to the Lord in days gone by and you've grown cold. You're not serving God like you should or you're flipping through the channels. And as you're clicking through, you were riveted here today. God has grabbed a hold of your life and the Lord is calling you. It's your time to come back. It's your time to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Maybe you went through intense persecution. You were lied about and you threw in the towel and you said, what's the use? But you realized when, as I was preaching here today, you realized God has ordained for you for a specific work for a specific task that no one else can do. And so you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to come. I will, I will pick up the baton one more time, and I will run, and I will run the race until I see you face to face. Maybe it's something hidden that no one can see, pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things. Maybe something outward that all can see. And you feel guilty and you feel, well, what's the use anyway? People know I can't do anything. No, in ourselves we can do nothing. But you're not in yourself. You're in him. And that's where the difference comes about. Would you surrender your life afresh to him? Maybe you're here today 
And you say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord in days gone by, but I've grown cold. A storm came against my life, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked my world, but today I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm going to serve him. I make the decision today. You that are watching in your homes, you make a decision. And then lastly, if you're here on the field or you're clicking through and you're watching my wave television and you say, I love Jesus with all my heart, but I'm not sure. I do not have the assurance that I'm a child of God. And I want to have that assurance. I want to know that I know that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm a child of God. If this is you and you fit in any one of these categories, I want to pray with you and for you right where you are. Quickly, put your hand up right now and say, pray for me. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Just raise up high, all the way to the back of the field. Slip it up high and say, yes, Lord. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just raise up high and say, yes. Yes. Thank you. God bless you. Today's your day. Today's your day. Even in your homes, just slip your hand up. Somebody said, nobody can see me. Jesus sees you right where you are. I can't tell you how many people have come to me said I was watching on television. You said, raise your hand. I raised my hand. And today, look what God's doing with me. The Lord knows exactly where you are. Once you've raised it, you can put it down. I want you to look at me, please, over on my left side, your right side. If I want you to look at me. If you didn't raise your hand but want to be included, quickly put that hand up right now and say, include me. Anybody else? This middle section, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included, put that hand up right now and say, include me. Anybody else? And then this side over here, my right, your left, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included, put your hand up. Amen. I want every person that raised your hand, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand. Even in your home, stand. Stand, 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 stand. Everyone that raise your hand, I want you to come from where you are. Come stand here. We're going to pray. Come. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No 
turning back. You could take the whole world and give me Jesus. You could take the whole world. But give me Jesus. You could take the whole world. Give me Jesus. No turning back. I want all of you that are standing, if you look at me just for a moment, you that are watching in your homes, we're going to pray one prayer, one prayer for us all. Whether you came for the first time or you come to recommit your life or you've come to make sure. If you mean business with God, God means business with you. I want you to just close your eyes right where you are and raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And pray this together with me. Just believe it in your heart and say it with your lips out loud. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead, I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. And use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior, and right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now just lift those hands, both hands, and pray, and thank him right now. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation. Thank you that they came here on this Sunday, that this Sunday was specially designed for them. And we thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.